Hey, this is uh, Unc, Michael McClure, coming at you with another episode of Unc View. And as always, I'm joined by my nephew in Chicago, Mr. Brendan Michael Lemon. We have a little bit of a different format for today's show because uh, really the highlight of today's show is not the conversation that we normally have, but instead we really want to talk briefly about something we've created for everyone, uh, irrespective of where you, um, irrespective of where your your uh, political allegiance lies. And just as sort of a backdrop, you know, we we really can't get away from this topic, this issue of the 2016 American presidential election. It's just out of control. Things just keep coming out seemingly every day. And you know, we Brennan and I have a lot of conversations about show topics. And we don't want to talk about politics all the time, but this is really an extraordinary time in American history. And so much is at stake, and there's just so much misinformation out there that we wanted to put this thing together to help people. And again, we're trying to be as unbiased as we can, just to remind you, Brendan leans left, I lean right, and uh, we're, we're, we really don't want to put out information that isn't objective because we talk so much about how much we hate the lack of objectivity. So that's why we created this. So what would you like to add at the start, Brennan, as just sort of a precursor to a brief conversation about this thing that we've created? Yeah. Um, well, I, just that there's... Okay, so the I think you said it pretty pretty accurately. I think that there's there's really... There's just a lot of... More than any other election I can remember... Um, there's just a lot of just bullshit that has piled up on both sides. And and I use that term not to discredit necessarily some of it, because I think some of it is absolutely relevant and you should pay attention to it. But there's just so much crap. Like there's so much that is maybe not relevant, but feels relevant. And then people are trying to say that it's relevant. And then people are trying to interrupt the course of dialogue that could occur because they're pointing fingers at this thing or that thing or whatever. Um, and I think more than any other election, this has felt like it's not really about any issues or about any solutions. Yeah, I don't know if I'd agree with the part of, that it's not about any issues. I think there are plenty of issues that are legitimate. I think, I, I think the way I would phrase it just a little bit differently would be there's never been an election, and we need to qualify this, of course, because it's not like we're a hundred years old. Although I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot closer to that than you are. Um, yeah. But but I do want to I do want to you know make clear that it's not like we have a perfect grasp of American history. Yeah. But just to sort of more specifically lead into what this thing is that we really haven't mentioned yet, we've created something we call the 2016 election scandal score sheet, and uh, what it represents is several days worth of research that we did in terms of trying to summarize all of the scandals that both candidates, both Hillary Rodham Clinton and Donald J. Trump, uh, both of the, uh, to compile a list of all the scandals that they've had, and we took great care, and nobody's perfect, want to be clear about that, but we took great care to try to be accurate and, as, our, as I've already said, objective. We tried not to spin it Either way, again, Brendan leans left, I lean right. And we also wanted to only include things that were truly legitimate scandals, things where you could uh, link to a source that was credible. And one of the things that we did, as you'll discover if you download it, 
is that we've included links right in the document. So you, all you have to do is read and click, and you can make up your own mind as to whether we did a, a good or a bad job of finding credible sources. Wherever possible, we tried to find sources like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post or things like that, uh, rather than just some you know, half-assed blog from Billy Bob in Alabama or something of that nature. So we tried to be um, objective, but you know, it was interesting, and this is why we have so much like passion about this, is because we learned a lot from preparing this thing. You know, like again, I'm pretty old, and mo- most everything that happened on on um, in the document, I've been alive to see. But there was a lot of stuff that I'd never heard of before that I only found because of us doing this research. And and there's just so much. There's so much animosity and angst, and you know, Brennan and I. In fact, maybe you should talk about this a little bit, Brennan, unless you just <laughs> yeah. don't want to. And if you don't no, want I'm, to, that's I'm totally okay. cool. I think I know where you're going, but and I'm okay talking about it. <laughs> I, I'm, I know you do. It's like this this issue is tearing our family apart, and this is no exaggeration. Yeah, have, for real. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this. Yeah, I mean, for real. It's like to the point where I'm concerned about the. Real, I'm concerned about my relationship with a number of people because. We simply could not see this uh, this election any more radically differently. So I'll stop, and you can yeah you can fill in some of the blanks there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I ruined our ability this year to have any kind of decent holiday in our family <laughs> because what I did, <laughs> what I did, that's no exaggeration. <laughs> because what I did, no, it isn't. Uh, that's the truth. Because what I did was I made a post about. Um, so so here so regardless of how you feel about this I think it's a I think it is a rather important it, the speech that Michelle Obama gave recently was a rather important political move for the Hillary Clinton campaign uh and the reason I feel that way is because she outright in in the uh, what I did is I I took a quote from her speech in which she said dis- dismissing uh, what Trump said as locker room talk is an insult to decent men everywhere, um, which is essentially publicly shaming Trump. And I thought that that was very interesting. And that's specifically the word I used was it was very interesting. And the reason I thought it was interesting was because I thought, OK, this is going to be the and maybe I'm wrong about this. But my uh, when I read the quote, I thought this is going to be the end of this campaign because it's never going to be able to move on from this. Like, because this, this point is going to be so divisive to anyone who's having a conversation that the lines have been drawn. Like, the ability to get moderates over to Trump's side is going to be over with because people are going to consistently be like, you either have to admit that this guy is a misogynist or you're a misogynist. It's one of those two things. And, or you're going to vote for a misogynist and you have to acknowledge that he is. Now, that's, that's a whole other discussion and we can, you and I can have that in a second, but my, my point in posting it was I thought that was very interesting, and specifically why I thought it was interesting was because sh- what she is talking about is a private conversation that two men had in private. And the reason I found that particularly fascinating was because if that had happened in the reverse, meaning that if a man had come out and said two women having a private conversation saying things like this is an insult to decent women everywhere, I mean, that guy would have been vilified by feminists all over. Um, you know, women and specifically, pardon me, feminists talk about having female dominated spaces. And this is very important. And so anyway, I thought it was very interesting as I thought, here's Michelle Obama, who's essentially shaming Trump and shaming all men who 
dismiss it. And I thought that's why this was kind of a brilliant campaign move. And why it was interesting is because it could only happen in the one direction that this this campaign has come down to this kind of like character assassination and by proxy the character assassination of anybody who is trying to support trump that's exactly what that move was so i thought that was by interesting when i described it i posted this on facebook and i just said this is very interesting to me um and it's interesting that uh this is a woman. It said it's strange that it's come down to a woman defining uh, social uh, uh, men's roles, which is essentially what she was doing. And okay, so that's all backdrop for basically what happened was <laughs> my family members began to get a hold of this and were like, What do you mean by interesting? Why do you say it's strange? Why do you take issue with it? Now, I haven't, I, there's nothing I said on this thing, and I think you would agree because you saw it that indicated I felt one way or another about it. Like, I, didn't, I don't think that I said, hey, this is awesome that Michelle Obama is shaming this guy. Good for her, good on her, or anything like that. I didn't post, this is BS that Michelle Obama did this. This is crap, get back in the kitchen. I didn't post anything that I thought was particularly inflammatory. Would you agree with that? I just want to ask you. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, so I didn't post, I, I, thought, I thought it was rather innocuous in the sense that I didn't think, I mean, I thought it would generate discussion, which is why I worded it that way, is because I thought, okay, if I, if I word this a little ambiguously, people will be able to kind of read in on one side or another, and then it'll generate a healthy discussion. What, what it generated, in fact, was a very unhealthy uh, discussion is not even the right word to use, because it was... It was just people, I, I kept feeling like, here's the, here's the point. It just evolved into a lot of like, this is BS, your, your side is crap. Like uh, people would post something in support of like, well, Michelle Obama's wrong about this because this is something I just, you know, she just doesn't understand this kind of, this is how men talk sometimes. And, and it was like, and then people would be like, well, you're, a, you're an effing idiot. And like, you're this and you're that. And people were coming after me. I was getting messages from people that were like, I can't believe you're supporting this side of the argument and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, everybody needs to turn the temperature down a little bit because I didn't post anything that I thought was particularly, uh, you know, egregious um, or particularly abrasive to anybody in this argument. And uh, suddenly, it just became really ridiculous. And really, to, to I know I've been talking for a minute about it, because I want to hear your thoughts about it, too. But like, the thing that just really blew my mind about it was I was like, I learned a few things. One, you can't have any nuance in a political discussion, particularly on the internet, but probably not, period, any longer. You can't have any nuance talking about anything that's occurring. It's either like you're you're they people want to know which side are you on, because I want to know if I need to hate you or not. That's kind of how it feels. And the second thing is, because of that feeling, it was like, I kept feeling like I had to, can, it was like they were searching for evidence of something that didn't exist, like they were on a witch hunt. Like, you said this word, and that means this, and that's why you feel like this, and that's why you're on this side, and that's why you're wrong. And it was just weird, because it was like, it literally kind of felt like, a, like the Salem witch trials a little bit, because I was like, I haven't said anything to indicate that I disagree with you necessarily. Like, I kind of, when I say interesting, what I mean by that is this is worthy of continued discussion and, and thought. And you've taken that to mean that, what you know, the worst. You've taken me at the worst possible p potential belief that I've had uh, in this discussion. 
And and honestly, man, coming from family, it felt it felt uh, like an attack, you know. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said there, and and uh, some of the points that you made uh, were the points I was going to make when you stopped. So I won't repeat those, but I will say that absolutely, I feel that we've reached this place where there's no longer any pretense, even pretense of true objectivity or trying to hear the other side or trying to be civil even. And we mentioned, actually, it was you who brought this point up in a previous podcast. I think it might have been the the one about uh, college campuses gone wild where you talked about the doctrine of charity and, oh, yeah. you know, trying to give the give another person the benefit of the doubt in terms of a point they're making and not just jumping to the conclusion that it's the worst possible version of whatever it is they're trying to say, which is absolutely what it feels like. You said witch hunt. That's exactly what it feels like to me, is that there are people, and, and we're, we're kind of getting off track here, so I'm going to try to be real brief here, but, you know, yeah. so many people, the social justice warrior crowd is just hair trigger waiting to be offended. They are hair trigger waiting to have a reason to jump. And yep. I think what was different about this situation, and it's implicit in everything that's been said so far, we just haven't said it as directly as I'm going to say it right now, is this is our family we're talking about. These yeah. are people we love. These are people we spend the holidays with and many other occasions with. Yeah. And it's just reached just, this crazy, We just saw everybody at my sister's where, wedding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the happiest occasions in the history of, the, of our the family. family. Yeah, just happened. Right. Just <laughs> happened. Like, All these people were there. Yeah. And, and now here we are uh, a month later, a month and, you know, a, a day or two later. And... And we're going at it like uh, Siamese fighting fish in a tiny fish bowl. And I, I was, I mean, I have to take some credit. I think I absolutely escalated it several iterations up from where it was, but it was simply because I was just so, I'm so tired of this stuff that we're, we have been discussing so far in in this conversation in terms of hair trigger reactions, assuming the worst, you know, just a complete inability to even try to see the other side, which is how yep. it feels to me. And I'm sure those people feel exact same in the opposite. But yeah. in any event, all that is to say that this election is, you know, it's funny, you, you look back at the history of America, and I'm not a historian, but I have, to, I have to think most people would agree that one of the handful of largest events, you know, after the founding of the country itself was the Civil War. The Civil War, I would argue, probably was the, the second biggest event in the history of the country after oh, yeah. the creation of the country. And I understand, and, and I really mean this, I'm not trying to be you know, hyperbolic, I mean this quite literally. I understand how that could have happened. I really do. I understand how brother could turn against brother and sister against sister and you know, father against son. I just, I, 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 I don't think we're that far from that. And all of everything we've said so far is to circle back and say, that's why we created this document, because we really want people to be informed. And, you know, I I can't help but say this, that, you know, I know, and I know you do too, Brendan, that there's a pretty high percentage on both sides that their minds are made up and the facts just don't matter. And I think that's what's probably most frustrating to me is there's just not an honest, there's not an honest intellectual 
component to this for many people. That's, on both that's sides. exactly they really I don't think want the to issue. The, yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to just, I want to cite one example and, and, uh, and because it's, I think it, this is black and white. This is, even though I'm an admitted Trump supporter, even though I'm an admitted lean, leaning to the right guy, this is indisputable. This is undisputable. And it is, Bill Clinton has a history of sex crimes that is so well documented. It's ridiculous. And, and what I don't understand with this latest, you know, this latest uh, screw up on the part of Trump that has just been, oh my God, it's like, it's unbelievable how the left has taken this conversation that you alluded to already about, you know, things that he's calling locker room talk. And I want to be clear, I'm not justifying what he did. I'm not supporting what he did. I think it's wrong as hell. But we can't have it both. We, we can't have two sets of rules here. If that's bad that Trump did that, and I agree that it is, what about what Bill did? Because what Bill Clinton did is so much worse. It's not even funny. I mean, the man paid $850,000 settlement for, on a sexual harassment case to Paula Jones in 1994. That wasn't that long ago. And, and there's a whole slew. I don't even want, I don't want to get into these other things because it'll look yeah, like yeah. I'm, well, you know, I'm trying I mean, to, so, I'm trying uh, to no, politicize I, I mean, this. I understand what you're trying to say. It's the, 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 you can't, you the, can't, you can't pull one car. Here, here's the analogy. You can't pull this car over for going five miles over the speed limit while not acknowledging the one right over there that went 65 miles an hour. See, like, this is exactly, limit. okay. You so just, this is exactly. This is exactly what I was trying to get to a little bit with that Michelle Obama post was just like, look, if, if you have a problem with 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 men and then this is shifting gears to the conversation a little bit, I'll get back to your point in a second and, and bring it back to to the scandal sheet that we put together here. But the you know, the you know, if you have a problem with men trying to define women's roles socially and particularly women's spaces that they occupy privately then you ought to at least acknowledge that that is what Michelle Obama was doing in that speech. Which she, that's, what, that's what she was doing. And it was very strange to me that people online were like, look, I, you know, she's, she's talking about how women should be treated by men. And I was like, no, 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 she's not. She's, she's talking about how men are speaking to each other about women in their own private spaces. That's what she's talking about. And it, I mean, and, and that's okay. I mean, we can have a talk about that. Like, Frankly, I agree with you. I think that, like, you know, locker room talk is a little bit different from what Donald Trump was doing in that private speech. I think Um, that. I mean, that's what I think. I but, but the point that I'm making is that you know it's the same thing that you're saying here. It's like you can't you can't have it on you can't have it on your side and not acknowledge it on the other side also. And because that's what's preventing any actual discussion from taking place. So it's like, look, if you think Donald Trump is a is a misogynist then why don't you acknowledge the fact that bill clinton uh and his and and his wife who's running for the highest office in our country have a have a history of doing this shit and if and if that's not relevant then please tell me why that's not relevant like that that that, that's a real discussion like that's an actual political discussion that could be productive is somebody saying look i understand that you know hillary clinton uh has protected her husband and has, you know, and has, has even used political power to attack these women, but it is not as important because the, the, you know, the real important thing here is blah, 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 relevant to the presidential office. And that's not about character or whatever. But in that case, then you have to go like, okay, cool. Well then that's why in this space, 
you know, in this discussion, Donald Trump's illicit uh, relationships or whatever he's done with women is not important either. It just so happens that those things are both off the table. And then we're talking about other maybe more relevant issues. But like that doesn't occur. And that's the same thing that just to, 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 to bring it full circle back to the Facebook thing again. And then I'll, I, I promise I'll tie, tie this back to the scandal sheet. It's like people were telling me, were, were reaching out to me and saying things like, look, you can't say that, you know, uh, this is not, uh, this is not relevant to Trump or like, this is, a uh, um, oh shit, where was I going with this? It's, uh, basically like, you can't say that, oh, you can't say that it's impossible to vote for Trump now because people could still have a position on him. And I said, yeah, that's the point. I'm not saying that Michelle Obama is making it impossible for somebody to support Trump. It's just like, this has changed the nature of the conversation because now people have to acknowledge one of these two things. Somebody could still go, look, Trump's a, when it comes to women, Trump's maybe a monster. He's maybe a, you know, a, a, a misogynist or a narcissist who has no respect for women, but he's also not somebody who's going to pull the strings of power to completely, you know, mess with, uh, you know, the lives of people who get in his way or something like that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, the point is, is that somebody could acknowledge it and continue. It changes the discussion. It feels like nobody can get beyond that point, though. It feels like everybody is just on one side or the other and doesn't want to meet in the middle in order to have, like, a real discussion about anything. So this is why I think it's important that we put this scandal sheet together a little bit, because part of it is like, look, let's put this, let's, let, let's get this all in front of us. Let's just get this score sheet out and then just like, here's all the shit these people have done. He, you know, let's, let's talk about maybe their actual approaches to what the most important job in the entire world might be and whether or not we want to vote for them based on those kinds of things rather than who's done the least bad stuff. No, I, I, I again agree with everything you've said, and it just speaks to the fact that we've just reached this place as a culture where the only thing that matters is winning. The only thing that matters is winning. That's it. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you cheat, steal, lie, or literally murder, and we won't even touch that, but it's just crazy how out of control it is. So I think we've made that point pretty yeah, firmly. Yeah, we've, we've, and, we've and, that and, nail and just, uh, securely in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that 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 mule is pretty much mutilated at this point. But <laughs> you know, the scandal score sheet. I, I know I already I already said this, but I want to reiterate it. It was sincerely. It, it is intended to be objective. Uh, the tone and tenor was not spun one way or the other to minimize or elevate any particular issues. You know, either way, it was intended to be objective. And if you download this thing and you disagree, let us know because it's a fluid document that we probably will make additional edits too. Because to be honest with you, things just keep happening in the world. It's like, I just had this conversation with somebody last night, Brennan, that, that um, I was talking to them. They had, they had listened to our RIP, Rest in Peace Journalism podcast. And oh, yeah. uh, she, was just, she was just commenting on it. And she was saying, you know, that was a good conversation you guys had. And I said, well, here's, the, here's, what's, here's what's truly interesting to me. That podcast, I could argue, is almost already obsolete. And I know that yeah. I shouldn't say that out loud because I want people to listen to it. But th the truth is, we made that podcast, I don't know when it was. I'll say a month ago. Yep. Do you know how much has happened in a month? It's oh, crazy. It's like, I'll, I'll just give one example. And that is, that is the, the, the tiny attention being paid to all the things being disclosed in these WikiLeaks dumps that are happening. And 
the media isn't touching it. The media is just ignoring it. And there's so much stuff in there. As I said it to one person online, this is Watergate. And again, Brendan, you know, I think you know what Watergate is, but there are plenty of people who don't you know, fully grasp what that is of your generation. Yeah. And I just want to say that Watergate, in, to someone of my age, and again, I'm over 50, in, of my age group, Watergate is the singular word used to describe the highest level of political scandal. It is the, it is the, it is the most incendiary, uh, most emotion attached to it. It was the first big, like, uh, gotcha scandal, and it resulted again in the, in the resignation of Richard Milhouse Nixon from office. And to repeat what I said a second ago, what's in this WikiLeaks dumps? And just the little I've heard and seen is a, is a million times that. When I say a million, of course, that's an exaggeration. But, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a hundred at least. It's a hundred. It's ridiculous. It's not even, it's, it's apples and astronauts. It's not even close. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and my, my point is that's how much this stuff keeps evolving. And so we're going to keep updating the document right up until election day because we truly want people, again, I'm not trying to convince you to want to vote one way or the other. You aren't either, Brennan. This is just, here's the information that we found. And the key point I would repeat is we both, Brennan and I, we both learned quite a lot that we didn't know simply because we decided to take the time to do the research because we were just curious, like, is there more out there? What aren't people talking about that they should be talking about? What are people ignoring, et cetera? So, you know, we just hope that you'll download this thing, read it. It's not long. It's a total of like six pages. It's very, it's, it's intentionally very summarized. Again, it has links in it. So anything you want to double check or read what, you know, what we read to, to summarize the way that we summarized, the links are right there. And again, if you disagree with how we said something or if we left something out, or yeah, we we'd love to hear about that. something quite right. Yeah, yeah just let us I know. think we would love to hear and, that feedback. Uh, we've been promoting. Yeah. yeah, we've been promoting this pretty heavily online, and we've had a you know a lot of a lot of people download this thing, and we've gotten a lot of feedback so far. But we we want more, and so you know, again, the whole point of this brief podcast is just to say, hey, we created this thing. It's on our website, unfew.com. If you're well, actually, I guess you could be. You could be uh, listening to this on iTunes or somewhere else, and you wouldn't be on the website. But yeah. it's unkview.com. It actually there's a place to download this thing on the homepage, and then there's also a separate page we created, which is called unkview.com/scandal. So two places on the site, both places. It's a free download. You just click, and it takes you right to the page where this document lives. We're not even, you know, we're not asking for you to give us our your email address or anything like that. We just want you to have this thing because we just want people to make good decisions. That's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, maybe think outside of this election a little bit too. Like I think, I, I think, think about, you know, there was a really interesting Dan Carlin, who's a guy who I, whose podcast I like subscribing to. Um, he has a podcast called uh, Common Sense with Dan Carlin. And this guy's kind of unique. I think you'd like him, by the way, Uncle Mike. He um, He's not really... He's hard to describe politically because he's not really l liberal. He's kind of like a classic libertarian, maybe. But he he's a little bit radical in the sense that he thinks that there's a lot of reform that needs to go on in government which is maybe not becoming that radical of a position, I suppose. But he... he made <laughs> no, this... that's no longer radical. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's... Yeah, exactly. I don't think that... Uh, I feel like uh, that 
increasingly the idea of somebody saying, nah, everything's going fine. Like, that seems to be the more radical position at this point. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, there are still people who think that things are awesome, but yeah, you're right. For the most part, you're right. But the, um, the, the point that he ended up making is he was talking about how uh, there was a book, and I forget the, the, the name of the book, uh, but it was written by a guy who, was, who knew nine presidents. He had served sort of nine presidents in the White House, and he was talking about what makes a good president and what makes a bad president. And he talked about how the in, increasingly in his last, the last presidents that he knew, uh, or the last president he knew was Reagan, and he w- wrote about the Reagan-Mondale you know, um, campaign and all of this. And what was very fascinating about it, his first president that he had served with was FDR, by the way. Um, and he was talking about how this, it felt very much like the, the, the nation was choosing worse and worse competitors to sit on either side of the ring. And it kind of, it really kind of feels that way with this election. Um, it just feels like, you know, I, it, it's so shitty because I don't, um, I just told, um, in fact, I'll say this publicly now. I don't know. I wasn't really going to announce it before, but, um, because people have a lot of different feelings about it, but I, I va- very well may not vote in this election. Um, I requested an, uh, absentee ballot from Michigan, which I think is going to be here like next week in Chicago. And I'm on the fence about sending it back because, I genuinely don't like either candidate and the idea of somebody going like, yeah, but you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. It's like, look, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I feel good doing that in either direction, uh, in this one. And I know that's a controversial issue, but anyway, uh, just to, to kind of get back here, the point that I guess I was kind of making by mentioning Dan Carlin is that there's a much larger idea of how people ought to participate in, you know, in their own community and how civics ought to work. And, you know, the, the point that this guy made of writing the book, talking about the nine presidents and how they've gotten worse over time is he was like, look, if you look at the history of America, um, where we are now is so much more advanced than we were when this country began. I mean, it's yeah, just in terms of knowledge, in terms of infrastructure, technology, in terms of economy, in terms of the ability to produce, you know, genius level people. It, we, 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 we have all these more resources than they did in the 1770s. But yet, even then, at the edge of the frontier, way back in the 18th century, they produced Monroe and Adams and uh, Washington and Jefferson and all of these people who are historical geniuses that hundreds of years from now, people will still remember these people, whether or not America even exists. You know, if people remember uh, thought leaders, they'll remember Ben Franklin because the man was a genius by the standard of any time. It, like, how did they produce those people then and not now? And this guy concluded it was the level of general discourse, the level of political discourse that occurred at the co- level of the common man in the 18th century was much higher than it is today. Even though we have so many more resources, we just don't have good discussions with each other anymore. That's interesting. Um, I also believe another factor there would be the fact that, uh, I hate to say this, I don't, this is not controversial at all, but there are plenty of people who are probably very qualified who just wouldn't even consider it because they see what people go through, you know, and, and the fact that oh, there's yeah. so much 
misinformation. And, you know, the media at this point, I, I, I put a, I, I posted on Facebook three or four days ago and I, I said, what confidence do you have in the mainstream media? And I specifically said, without naming any particular news media source and without commenting, just give your percentage, you know, just, just the media in total. Yeah, I saw this. And the answers, most of them were, I, I said the number one answer was zero, which I'm sure people are exaggerating slightly when they say that. But I think the highest, somebody said 50 and they qualified it by including like news and I mean, like weather and sports <laughs> in that 50. <laughs> but most people, most people were between say five and 10 or 10 and 20. There were a few people that were in like 30-ish. But the point is, seemingly almost no one trusts the media anymore. And so back to my point, picture being somebody who would make a great president. Do you really want to, do you really want to throw yourself into that wood chipper where you know people are going to manufacture stories about you and lie about you and, and impugn your character and attack you and attack your family? I mean, who in their right mind would do that? Oh, and yeah. I think, I think I, interestingly, I think that, and this wasn't my intention, this is all organic thinking I'm doing at the moment, just off the top of my head. But I kind of I think that explains how we end up with not just people like Trump and Hillary, but these two people specifically, because here's my, again, trying to be as objective as I can. On one, on one side, you have what I would say is quite possibly the biggest ego in the history of America. I think Trump's ego is crazy. I think it's out of control. I think he can't, he can't control it. And when I watched the last debate, and the, the last, I'm, we're, we're recording this on October uh, 16th, 2016. So the, there have been two presidential debates. There's a third one. I don't know when it's happening. It might even be tonight. I don't know when it is. But um, oh, it's happening uh, on in Wednesday. the last debate. Gloria and I have tickets to go okay, watch it at the, at the uh, Natural History Museum here in Chicago. Where is it being held? Uh, it's being held. I don't know where it's being held, but we're, we're watching the telecast. We're just watching it live with a bunch of people. That's what I thought you meant. But in any event, so uh, the second debate, uh, you know, there was, he, Trump was pretty much out of control at the first debate in terms of just, you know, he won't shut up. He's, he's, yep. he's talking. He reacts to everything. He's way too reactionary. And so after the first debate, there was all this conversation on the right. And the, the conversation on the left was, you know, was, was predictable in terms of, well, he's a loose cannon. He's an idiot, blah, blah, blah. But on the right, the conversation was more along the lines of, well, Trump is a smart guy. He'll learn from this. And when he comes back for the last two debates, he'll be much more presidential. That's the word everyone throws around. He'll be much more presidential. He won't be so, you know, quick to, to respond and react. And he, and he did improve. But he still was way, way, way too reactionary. So my point is, he's, his ego, he can't control it. His ego will not allow him yeah. to stand there and take a shot from Hillary without reacting. No matter, I'm sure he was coached and coached and coached. Oh, yeah, Don't he can't. do that, but he still did it. So, I totally agree, yeah. So that's what we have on one. So that's what we have on one side is this egomaniac who I really believe, I, I sincerely believe he has America's best interests at heart. I really do. But I also concede that his ego is out of control. I get why people are frightened of it. I get why they could see him doing something really stupid in a, in a heated moment with, with, say, a world leader like Putin, etc. I get all that. I acknowledge that. Again, I'm, 
I think I'm objective here. So that's what you have on, on the right. On the left, you have a career politician who has leveraged the process for 30 years to enrich herself and to, in my opinion, sell out America and put, us, put our future at risk. I really believe that sincerely. And again, look at the scandal short score sheet and just see what she's done. And it's a, it's a reasonable position for me to take. But neither of those clearly is an optimal choice. And it would take people like that in today's context to even want to dip their toe in the pool of presidential politics. Because for Trump, it is, if I win, I'm king of the world and I can do what I want. And I'm the king, I'm the literal king of the world. And Hillary looks at it and says, I'm willing to go through this shit to get to that place where I can control everything. And, you know, they're worth hundreds of millions now, the Clintons. I mean, oh, oh my yeah. God, they'll end up billionaires. I, oh I have God. no doubt. It's so, so I, and I, I think, it's I think that's what drives them. I totally agree with you. I think, it's, I think it's something about control and power. And I think that for her, it's like, I genuinely feel like she, the Hillary Rodham Clinton, is the grown-up version of, you know, 12-year-old Hillary Rodham Clinton, president of her eighth grade class, you know, president of her junior high, who's like, I'm going to be president one day, like of the country, I'm going to be the first female president. I genuinely think that is exactly that. And it, and it doesn't mean that I think she doesn't have also decent intentions, but I get, I just, I, I also feel like those take a backseat to all of this other stuff that they want to do. Like it just doesn't. And the same thing is true, I think with Trump and then the way that you've described is it's like, I think Trump is genuinely a narcissist. And I think that he wants to be oh, yeah. the most powerful guy because that's what he wants to be. The only thing that I think is, without digressing into it, the only thing that I think is dangerous about him in a way that is not dangerous with Hillary, who has different dangers of her own, don't get me wrong, is that I think that he, if he took an insult from another country, his response, I mean, I've read a bunch of his books. And when I've pe told people that, they've been like, why would you waste your time reading Trump's books? And I'm like, so this guy's got something, man. Like he, you know, he's not nothing. I mean, the dude's got something. It you, you don't get to at least get to this level of the race in the entire country at this level of success without nothing. And I was fascinated with trying, with trying to learn about that in college. So I've read a number of his books. And one of the things that uh, stuck out to me is he just said, look, when somebody hits you, you got to hit back harder. And that's, that's, that's what drives him. And you can see it in the debates. You can see it in the way that you know they acute the, the tape comes out about Trump with this uh, with Billy Bush and then he holds a press conference with like here's four women that uh, Clinton you know basically molested or had indecent relationships with like he he his go to is hit back harder and my only concern is like a dude with his finger on the button the nuclear button do we want that guy in that position I I don't know you know but same thing is true no, and, with, and I I agree with you and that's why. That, I agree with you, and that's and I, I was trying to more or less say what you just said. So I agree with you. I mean, do I have concerns about Trump? Absolutely. The way I said it to somebody recently was with Trump, it, when it, and they were attacking Trump. My response was, do, do I have concerns about Trump? Absolutely. Do I think it could end up an unmitigated disaster? Absolutely. Do I think he could launch us into World War III? And by the way, for those of you who aren't paying attention, we're almost on the verge of World War III anyway, without Trump. Yeah. Just do some reading about what's going on in the world right it's, now. It's terrifying. It's funny you say the that. The moves because, that Russia is making. Oh, man. It's so fucked up. Because uh, it's funny you should say that because uh, that was my friend Adam Lyons, who's, uh, who's uh, 
girlfriend, uh, one of his one of his live-in girlfriends, uh, is Russian, and he commented, he was like, "It's nuts." He he that crazy thread that I was talking about earlier. One of his comments was, he was like, "It's really it's really a shame that this has come on down to." I don't think he used the word shame, but he was like, "This it's kind of sad that this debate, uh, this public debate, has come down to this, which is." whether or not Trump, how he feels about women, because he's like, World War III could be around the corner right now. And he's aware of this because he's dating a Russian woman. Like, and, and I mean, and, and, and she's aware of everything that's going on in their country, and we're super duper not. Well, right, yeah, because if you just, uh, in fact, if you just Google uh, Iskander, I-S-K-A-N-D-E-R, just Google that, for those of you listening, if you're interested. Just see what you find there. It'll probably surprise you. And uh, it's just, you know, things are escalating so quickly. And, and this is all before Trump takes office. So, you know, that's, a, that's another thing that, that kills me about, you know, right versus left is that the left does so many of the things that it accuses the right of maybe going to do. The left is already doing it. You know, Donald Trump incites violence at political rallies. Okay. I can see that. I think he has said some things that are pretty provocative. But what about all the video that's been put out of Trump Trump backers being physically attacked? Physically I mean, assaulted. Yeah, the one in LA. Yeah. It's crazy. It's 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 yeah, but if you win, you'll do these things that we're going to do right now. Well, you but, know, I you know, I, again, I, I, not to you know, the Bible says it itself. It says do not you know, point out the speck in your uh, opponent's eye when you won't right. pick out the plank in your own. And you think this is exactly, this is exactly, we're each demonizing this other side like so heavily. And I, part of it is like, I'm not sure where the, like, it, we don't have mutually exclusive, vi- I mean, well, most of us, like 85%, the majority of people in the United States do not have mu- mutually exclusive visions for what they want you know, where they want the country to go or where I think they want uh, their, you know, at least their communities to look like. I think most people probably believe mostly similar things about that. At least they're compatible, meaning they're not, it's not impossible for them to reach some kind of consensus about it. But each side is really behaving like that's exactly the case, especially in this election. Yeah, yeah. And and again, that's why we created this score sheet to try to bring some, you know, some modicum of objectivity and uh, condensed knowledge because we looked around and couldn't find anything quite like what we we envisioned for this document or else we would have invested the time to create it because why would we reinvent the wheel? But we couldn't find anything and maybe we just missed it, but we couldn't find anything that, you know, did what we did in terms of condensing it, making it something you could read in five minutes. You can corroborate everything that we have in there with links that take you to the stories. And so uh, at this point, we're probably just going to repeat ourselves. Just, you know, my parting shot, Brennan, and you can sign off with your parting shot. My parting shot is be informed. I think this is the most, it's not hyperbolic to call this the most important election in modern, at least modern U.S. history, if not U.S. history, period. There's so much at stake. And the world is teetering on the edge of some really bad things. And, uh, and, and the, you know, there's so much division in the country. There's so much discord. And, you know, I think no matter who wins, there's going to be some reaction that'll be potentially bad. 
but that's unavoidable. I mean, that's just going to happen. But the the decision, I think, really is crucial. And so I'm not going to lobby for anybody, and neither is Brendan. But what I will lobby for is knowledge. So please, please, please download this thing. The Scandal Score Sheet, again, it's at unkfew.com. It's right on our homepage. Or it's at unkfew.com slash scandal. Again, it's a free download. We're not asking for your contact information or anything. Just download it, read it. Please do that. And Brennan, why don't you take us out with your final comment? Yeah, I think my final comment is, I think, uh, I, you know, if you're finding yourself, if you're listening to this, and not just in terms of this election, but in terms of any discussion at all, if you're, if you're finding yourself in, in a discussion and somebody says something that really gets under your skin or really gets your blood up or really riles you, you know, take a second and take a deep breath and remember that it was not without very important reasons that ancient philosophers used to think that passion was the enemy of reason and that the passions were something to be uh, controlled and that and were something to be reined in and to and something to be to have discipline around. And I I think that what gets the best of us is that we live in an era in which people are constantly trying to stoke the passions of one another, because that's how they get motivated for action. And then people can manipulate that action. I, I genuinely feel like that is why this discourse is running out of control, is because everybody is online and social media and in regular media trying to get other people fired up and pissed off so that then they can point in a direction and get them to go somewhere. Whether that's um, to build a wall or, to, or for Black Lives Matter or for whatever. And I, I just would encourage everybody to just take a deep breath and chill out and go like, okay, is it worth continuing to toss logs on this fire? Or should I have some patience around this and try to make a reasoned point or try to calm everybody down? Or to try to say something that's like, hey, look, maybe there's other reasons that somebody's doing this besides they're a racist or besides they're a misogynist or besides they're ignorant or something like that. Like, Genuinely try to take the plank out of your eye before you point out the speck in somebody else's. I think that's my closing comment to this this discussion. Wow, I'm really impressed with the wisdom of that, and I'm being dead serious. That was a really that was a really mature thing to say, and and it, and you really struck a, a chord with me personally because of the passion is the enemy of reason comment, which now that I hear it is so obviously correct and true. And I've actually never heard that before. And, yeah, I, uh, people I, you know, I look that. at my Yeah, well, I, I spend a lot of time analyzing my own behavior uh, because I really am trying to be better and smarter and wiser. I don't always succeed. In fact, I often fail. But I'm proud of the fact that there is an internal process in my brain mm-hmm. that is never that never stops. And... Uh, I'm pretty good at admitting when I'm wrong about things because I often am wrong about things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that you've sort of framed this for me, I feel I feel kind of badly about, um, you know, some of the things, that, particularly going back to that conversation that we cited at the start of this podcast about our family. Uh, I don't I don't back off from my positions at all, but I but I do back off from the tone and tenor that I used because I was just. You know, I, I just reached a place where I, I snapped because I'm just so tired of this this worldview that I see over and mm-hmm. over from people. And it's you know, it's not just the people in our family; it's a lot of people that have this view 
which my, you know, my really quick description of it would be, it's just too focused on minutia. It doesn't, it's a, it's a classic. You don't see the forest for the trees. You know, you're so hung up about yep. somebody being insulted by some words that you don't see the fact that we're on the brink of world war three. And that doesn't even, you're not even aware of it. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, that, that comment wasn't directed at any, in anyone. That wasn't, that was just a, you know, an example comment. Yeah. But that's why, you know, for me, it's all about priority and what's really important versus what's not. And so, uh, but I absolutely have a problem with, you know, passion being an enemy of my reason at times, or at least my method, maybe not my reason, but my method. So thank you for sharing that. That was, it was worth the podcast for me just to have that enter my brain and, and, We'll see what it does to me. But uh, again, (laughs) final comment. I know we said final comments a while ago, but uh, thank you for listening. And please download the Scandal score sheet at unfew.com or unfew.com slash scandal. So we look forward to seeing you or or interacting with you on our next podcast. And again, thanks so much for your support of Unfew. Take care, everybody.